been in this position before and I've had this, this title match and every time I've let it slip right through my fingers. But not this time, that's right. I can feel it, this time is different. I feel it. And I think all of you can feel it. And Mr. Regal, I think Sasha Banks feels it too. a podcast from fight to feud and back again my name is charlie davis and i use they them pronouns and i'm mikey and i use he him pronouns and we're sticking to a monthly format that we didn't say previously because we may have said bi-weekly or i said bi-weekly but i, I feel like you that's... said bi-weekly without consulting me <laughs> that's too much of a time commitment and the world has changed thusly since the last time we recorded a podcast <laughs> it's changed dramatically you always say thusly, and I don't know, it's just like a catch-all word. It, it is. But... It, it kind of like encompasses everything I'm trying to say. And I will not tell you that I don't sometimes use words that are in my brain and I use them in the wrong way. I don't think I'm using that in the wrong way, though. Kind of were. It's okay, though. <laughs> That's how fine. we're starting this podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome to episode two of Match Club. Um, I'm numbering the episodes again because this is, a, this is a fresh start. And, you know, as is our duty, um, being on the internet and being people that record podcasts and have some familiarity with that, um, we need to bring you content because that's all anybody can consume i feel like this intro has been just a disaster and we should just totally start over again no no we're not starting over again mikey do you really <laughs> want to start over again no i don't yeah, ex exactly no so when do we also when do we ever get to the point that's a good question that's a good point yeah exactly in any case welcome to a brand new episode of match club we are through these trying times, going to bring you some some more content. Um, and as I alluded to in the last tail end of the last episode, which I hope you enjoyed, which I know you enjoyed because we do have lots of lovely reviews on iTunes, actually. Um, yeah, thank you to everyone that's reviewed it. Yeah, thank you for uh, making my threats count because I did slightly threaten everybody last time. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that tactic worked. Um, thank you for all of that. But as we alluded to last time, we are kind of going to do a, like a, a rotation. So we're going to do some, some stories about, um, male wrestlers, and then we're going to do some female wrestlers. And we flipped the, the script this time. And we are talking about Sasha Banks versus Bailey, primarily 2014, oh, excuse me, 2015 NXT. See, I'm getting, we were in 2014 last time. Yeah, we've jumped forward a year, actually. That's perpetually where I live in wrestling, <laughs> 2014. <laughs> so that's just, 
We're currently in 2015, and this episode's going to be a bit broader, just because I don't think we can have a conversation about the story of Sasha Banks and Bailey without talking about the greater... <sighs> what word do I want to use? The greater experience. Fabric. Tapestry. <laughs> Tapestry. Of women's wrestling history in the WWE. Correct. And, you know, just in general. Um, but I think this is something that needs our consideration. And I think it's something that's absolutely worth talking about when we talk about this story, especially to of like the best women wrestlers not just in wwe but i would consider i mean outside of japan like in the world mm -hmm. uh i don't do a lot of watching of japanese wrestling outside of like a very small bubble so i can't say that for certain but i know there there are a lot of very talented japanese women wrestlers so i don't want to be like best in the world and then have people think yeah. i'm discrediting that entire situation over there yeah there's a lot of there's a much different and varied uh women's wrestling tradition in japan that is probably a separate like whole conversation so yes absolutely so without going one of the best like women in the western wrestling tradition let's say like the american wrestling tradition yes so that is definitely where we're going to keep the conversation rooted, but we'd be remiss not to mention NXT women's wrestlers in 2015 and even, and I would say especially into it right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like this is a really, we had already planned having this episode like months and months and months back and then we saw shades of this same feud that we're going to talk about at wrestlemania 36 so you know it's not like this is something that's just gone away it's not like bailey and sasha banks like they are still some of the premier women's wrestlers in wwe right now like they continue to be that so it's not yes. like they just had this and then we never saw anything from them again or if they faded into obscurity or the middle of the roster, they continue to put on amazing matches that are worth watching. And yes. we're going to tell you why. Exactly. Hopefully. <laughs> Much like eternal, there's a lot of like eternal rivalries in WWE and in wrestling in general, but mm -hmm. I feel like in WWE especially, there are a lot of eternal rivalries that just they can they they will end their chapter will end and then a new one will open up such as obviously our last episode talking about Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins that encounter is maybe their first but it is not their last and they continue to circle one another the entire time they were in the same company this as Mikey was saying is still currently really going on it maybe is a different shade of the story um maybe some people could say that it continues to be this way because they don't know the creative maybe doesn't know a good way to to wrap it up but i think in the context of where we are right now i think it's 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 rivals it's 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 rivals 
Yeah. And, and, you know, thinking back to having come from comic books and kind of thinking about that as a form of serialized storytelling. And I've been watching, because I've been working from home, I've been watching a lot of American soap operas, like daytime soap operas, because that's what my dad and mom watched. That's what they met, like how they met. Well, they didn't meet through watching that but that was like a shared interest that they discovered and kind of helped them bond soap opera fandom yeah well i mean fandom is maybe a a (laughs) word to use in the 1980s but you know they did meet and kind of had a common interest in watching soap operas and you know this is not i feel like sometimes people say that wrestling is like cyclical obviously i'm a new fan so i'm not super experienced but you know, they say, oh, there's not resolution and the storyline just comes up again. Like the same thing happens in both comics and daytime soaps. Mm-hmm. Like Victor Newman is the head honcho and the young and the restless. And he's been scheming and doing things off with his on again, off again wife, Nikki, for the past 30 years. And, you know, people come to know these characters and these these people and the roles that they inhabit and the different facets that they can pull from in that core of characterization like we've seen in comics we've seen emma frost go from being a completely amoral villainous to being you know an on again off again lover of um scott summers to being you know, taking charge of herself and taking charge of the Hellfire Club to now scheming and maybe being underhanded with the whole Krakoa situation. So, you know, this is not unique to wrestling. It's definitely like that's one of both the benefits and limitations of this kind of form of serialized ongoing storytelling is you have to find ways to circle the same well that Mm -hmm. are unique and keep audiences engaged. Yeah. Whether that be wrestling audiences or comic book audiences or television, yeah. you know, as whatever. I will always say, it's 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 different shades of the same thing. Mm-hmm. So if you like comic books, I have absolutely no reason. Like I have absolutely no aside from people's just the the aura around wrestling. If you like comic books, you'll like wrestling. You will just you just have to put aside what you think you know about wrestling. Yeah, or like how I got my brother engaged and watching like weekly wrestling shows with me as I was like, hey, it's like, you know, soap operas, but with more punching. And, you know, now he really loves Chris Jericho, so. (laughs) And who doesn't? Who doesn't? Maybe so. At least in the ring. Yeah, exactly. That's two different people. I don't know who the other guy is. Um, (laughs) Anyway, Mikey, I asked you this last time we started. How would you describe uh, Sasha Banks and how would you describe Bailey? Uh, if you've seen the movie Mean Girls, Sasha Banks is just Regina George and I love her. <laughs> she is the mean girl. She is the holier than thou. She is the I've had to fight my way through all of this. And I just absolutely am going to be the meanest to anyone that threatens me. But there's also an undercurrent of her being this person because she wants to challenge her friends and 
the women around her to step up to the plate. Like, she's mean as a test, also. There, there's definitely that undercurrent throughout. She is, in fact, the boss. She is. She is a legit boss. Legit boss. And how would you describe Bailey? Bailey is, I think, someone at the commentary at some point called her, a, you know, someone that's had to go from being a wrestling fangirl to a legitimate contender. And I think that's really a good way of putting it. She definitely has a lot of that fan energy and the, oh gosh, oh golly, I can't believe I'm here. She's the girl next door, but not in a way that we would typically think of it where it's like the romantic interest of the protagonist or something like that, but just that she's the approachable um, figure that's still larger than life because she's in these bright lights. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I feel like for a long time, and even as I was like wading into this whole story, that I didn't really see knowing me who I am. I didn't really see the appeal of of, of Bailey as as a, as a character, like a character. But then I mm-hmm. realized it's because she's not really like she's not really a character. No, she's a cipher. Yes. And it took me to realize that before I kind of, like, clicked into it. Like, mm-hmm. Sasha is a character. Like, like yeah. there's a lot of guts and determination there, but, like, the boss is a character. And, like, that's how I kind of get into, like, the mind space I need to be in when I watch wrestling it's so like, okay, well, this is this versus this. Sometimes they make it really clear. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you want it to be clear. Sometimes it's better off, like, muddying yeah. the lines. And that's not to say that Bailey is bad at being a character or, like, the stage appeal of wrestling. Because I would argue, being a cypher, she has to draw from that emo- that place of emotional vulnerability more in order to be so transparent to let the audience kind of see themselves in her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it took me, it took me a while to, to get in there. But as you know, they also say a lot over this period of time, Bailey's the ultimate underdog, right? Like that's, that's the hook that you mm-hmm. have um, in this, but the story with them kind of like bleeds into or starts with the fact that in 2015 in NXT which is WWE's was I'll say was WWE's developmental program so it basically like you get signed by WWE and they stick you in NXT so you can learn how to be Oh, a WWE superstar. Let's say professional professional wrestler. That's not what they're called. They're called superstar. I don't know if you knew that. Did you know that? I I realized that over the past week or so for reasons that I will not discuss on the podcast because I don't want to be a downer. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um. So they call them superstars. So they teach you how to be a WWE superstar at NXT. They hone your wrestling skills they hone your mic skills it is at least at the time 
because this is very proto NXT. This is like when NXT was like first coming into its own, and I think you can tell that. Could you could you tell that, Mikey, by the setup of everything? Yeah. Yeah. So NXT was like first trying to come into its own as this, this developmental brand, but still its own brand. It's very wrestling focused because they are producing pro wrestling content instead of these big over the top larger than life stories that you sometimes get on the main roster of WWE. So yeah, cuz this was after like the great I forget what the internal word that they were using was, but I'm going to call it brand apocalypse <laughs> because uh like the brand split or whatever in WWE. This was right before the brand split. Okay. So this is 2015. The brands like the WWE has split the brand more than once, which I say brand split. And what I mean by that is there are two shows the WWE puts on Monday Night Raw and and SmackDown, depending on what day it is on. Currently, it's on Fridays. And they split the roster to be on one show or the other show. Ah, I see. During during this point in time where we are concentrating what we're looking right now if you watch wwe you would watch you would see people who are on raw would be on smackdown like if you wanted to watch the story play out that's why we had to watch both yeah that's why when we were looking at 2014 last time so it's like the hawks pox of (laughs) wrestling yeah It's, it's that's what's going on right now it's like i'm watching monday night raw now we gotta watch SmackDown to get the continuation of the story. And it okay. was it was like that. So it's like I did not know that. Yeah, in total, you're watching three hours of Monday Night Raw and two hours of SmackDown. So you're watching five hours That's, of wrestling a week. <laughs> that sounds exhausting. Yes. So in order to mitigate that and to spread out the roster and to give people more time in the spotlight, because honestly, if you have a huge roster and you have only so much time to give these individuals like who maybe you want to spotlight you just don't you just can't there's too many it's too much so you split the brand so you can say hey you bring jonathan this- hickman in no this is a wrestling <laughs> podcast i can't <laughs> this is this is this these are the raw superstars and these are the smackdown superstars they're still kind of like a connotation that maybe smackdown isn't really the show because monday night raw has been around so much longer and it's like the brand but they they do try this every now and again and you know nxt is now that third brand that like decisively in 2019 for reasons they are they really pushed nxt as not the developmental system anymore it is a brand if you're on nxt you are you are as good as the people on the main roster but yeah because now they have the wwe performance center that those folks aren't on or at least weren't on tv at all and that is the developmental now yeah so they really push nxt as this third brand and it is and it was back in 2015 we're gonna go back to you i promise this very concentrated wrestling show. I don't know if you notice when you're watching this, Mikey, but it is a lot of wrestling and a little bit of story. 
Yeah. So it's not like what we kind of talked about last time. It is very much focused on wrestling, but I think in the long run, that's what helped women's wrestling really evolve into like what it is now in the WWE because it wasn't focused on giving these women like like very bad very very bad stories that they could lean on instead of showcasing their talent it was very purely look at these women's athletic ability and yeah and i i wonder how much knowing that Dusty Rhodes was one of the big people behind the origins of NXT and knowing that Bailey was one of his like protégés i have to wonder how much cuz i've read some backstory on the Rhodes family and i know Dusty kind of viewed NXT as his baby at least during the last few years of his life i have to wonder how much Dusty had a hand in how wrestling was going to be done because i know that he really believed in what's called the like southern style of wrestling where it is more like those pure wrestling stories of like here's the heel and here's the face and like you should be able to tell the story from being in the ring Mm -hmm. i mean what do you think about that i mean i think absolutely i think the reason that you see this i think the reason that you saw that you see the way that seth and dean tell stories in the ring i think you can see a direct line from dusty Rhodes' tutelage through people like like certain people in wwe because did seth and dean also come out of nxt yes they did it was called fcw at the time and Seth was actually the first NXT champion. Right. So they the Shield menaced NXT for a little bit before they like mm-hmm. actually like get, were on the main roster full time. They would just come down and menace people on NXT. <laughs> <laughs> um but you yeah, you can see that. So it's not so much I'm gonna get in the ring and cut a promo on you and like we're gonna go back and forth. Because that's a certain type of entertainment. It's a lot of story-based wrestling. And I know that sounds kind of weird to say, like, if you don't understand, but it is... But you're telling the story in the ring versus having to either preface with a promo or ex post facto explain the match via a promo. Correct. Correct. So... In 2015, You're letting the, the storyline of the match speak for itself. Yeah, so in 2015, the women were like given this platform of this very pure wrestling. So we have... Which uh, it hadn't really ever been in, no, in WWE it was, before. It was very much like entertainment, light on the sports. They were called... They were not called superstars. They were called divas. Correct. Yeah, I was going to say, if it gives you any indication... The women wrestlers in WWE at the time before this and going back quite a ways were called divas. Like the belt, the main, the top belt for women was the divas belt. And it was and it a had pink butterfly. and purple butterflies. 
It, yeah. Not to say there weren't great women wrestlers, like, previous to this, because there absolutely were. It's just they never really got a chance to to shine. Uh, yeah. And we would be remiss to bring that up without bringing up um, Nikki and um, Brie. Brie Bella, mm-hmm. the Bella sisters, because they really, they took that and then made it into something that really became its own thing too like they were part of paving the way for this they took that okay all you want to do is put the diva pit the divas against each other and make it all about drama well we're gonna have a reality tv show where that is the thing yeah it's like this interestingly meta thing so like they they also they like started it there and all people like Paige and aj lee like these characters that people could get into and have the wrestling it's just about giving the women the same consideration the men always got like yes you could have these like outlandish things happening right but you could follow it up with a great wrestling match they would give the women like maybe three minutes of time in a match because it wasn't about the match it was about the backstage drama it was about well and the appearance yeah you know titillating comes to mind yes unfortunately you know like that was that was just how it was played and you know it was pretty bad in the 90s i mean pretty bad like in the late 90s like attitude era women's wrestling was a downright appalling but it was almost worse in like 2007 like all the way up to like probably 2011 like and maybe even a little bit beyond that because it was like three minute matches or like it was them they weren't even trying right so it was instead of it being like these women are here to showcase their bodies like it was in the 90s it was like oh we're giving we're giving the women you know chances but you're not really like you're just it's like, like a lot of hair. Pu- what I've heard of that era is like a lot of hair pulling mm-hmm. and a lot of like screaming and screeching. Yeah. Like women, not their bodies not being the spectacle, but their hysteria. And I use that word very specifically being the spectacle. Yes. So a lot of people say that that was like worse than straight up objectifying a woman. Which I believe uh, it. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched any of it. But it's a little bit more insidious, in my opinion. Like, not that we should be objectifying women, because obviously not. But like, giving the idea that you're going to be giving people this platform to do this thing, but you're not. Like, it is all just this big illusion, which you know <laughs> happens. But you know, stuff absolutely 100% started to change because down in NXT there were four women that stand out immediately they are actually given the nickname the four horsewomen of NXT which is actually a pretty big deal because the four horsemen were basically the greatest like four wrestlers of their of their era and they kind of gave this moniker to Charlotte Flair, whose last name you may recognize because she is the daughter of Ric Flair, one of the four horsemen. (laughs) 
Uh, Becky Lynch, who you also may know now as the man, was not back in NXT in this time, but... No, she had like a steampunk gimmick, right? Correct. It was very strange. Yeah, I did not recognize Becky at all, (laughs) (laughs) except by her hair. Bailey, obviously, who we're highlighting, and the boss, Sasha Banks. So these four women were christened the four horsewomen of NXT because they were outstanding in the ring and put on matches. And, like, because of this format, they were just given the spotlight to do that. Like, okay, go, like, go wrestle, like, 20 minutes and make it great. Sure. Like, they had the ability to do that. And there were other women, obviously, in NXT at the time. But these four, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but these four really got everybody behind them. They were the ones that got the call up. Like, okay, you, you're you here doing this these great things, so come on to the main roster and also do those great things. So I think yeah. we, we would be remiss to not mention Charlotte or Becky without, you know, in not notwithstanding this entire situation. No matter what you think about Charlotte Flair or Becky Lynch, because some people do say that the division just revolves around them but i don't know how i feel about that (laughs) well and i think too like it it you know they did get the call up and everything like that but i think it's important to note that this was inherently a risky formula and it could have gone like i don't want to see that world but there is a world in which this quote-unquote failed and like we never saw that form of women's wrestling in WWE again. Um, you know, it was a risk and there is the huge potential, I think, of of it failing, as with, you know, all kind of experimental properties and stuff like that. So the fact that they took the ball and ran with it is, you know, the four horsewomen specifically is like really, really important here. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So I wanted to make mention of them as well, because even though we're talking about Sasha Banks and Bailey right now, or, you know, that's like what the focus of this episode is, they all cross paths during this time in NXT. So Charlotte's the champion. Like she, I believe she becomes the first NXT women's champion. Mm -hmm. And you know, she is the top. She's at the top. She's the queen, right? So if you want to be the best, you got to beat Charlotte. Or, you know, as she says, you want to be the woman, you got to beat the woman. Like her dad would say, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. So I like Charlotte's, like, look a whole lot. Like, I've gotten, I've watched some more Charlotte things as i've been watching this for this episode and charlotte's an incredible in-ring performer and she's incredibly athletic and does some amazing things in the ring so you know despite the weird genetically superior uh things and gimmicks that she's been given over time um i i really do enjoy her wrestling But let's say that these women kind of, like, 
they cross paths a lot because they are like the four standouts. So the whole kind of way this starts is that Sasha finally, finally gets to beat Charlotte. And that is something that happens because NXT has these pay-per-views are called takeovers. So it's called takeover rival Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. And Sasha wins the NXT Women's Championship. So as things go, you know, everything ebbs and flows in wrestling. So, like, Charlotte's the heel champion, and Sasha's the underdog. And they, you know, have this great match, and then Sasha becomes the women's NXT champion. And then suddenly, it's not so much I'm scratching and clawing to get to this point. It is, now I'm the boss. (laughs) You know, Sasha's always been the boss, but it's definitely, like, now I'm on top, everybody bow down to me. And kind of through this entire through line at this point, Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte all were going between being on NXT and, like, being on the main roster. So they were kind of the first call-ups, be like, okay, we need you up here because you're incredible. And... Bailey's the only one that never really got the call up. And I don't know if you saw that, Mikey, but they really play on that a lot in this story. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. Can we dial it back for a second? Sure. Do we know why they're called takeovers? Is it because they're the day before the main roster pay-per-view? Or is there any reason they're called takeovers? I don't know uh okay (laughs) i'm not sure i mean it could be so traditionally you're right it is the saturday before a main pay-per-view for wwe so like takeover would happen like the day before SummerSlam, and we'll talk about one here in a little bit but i don't know i don't know why they're yeah like they're taking over the venue in advance of the pay-per-view is i guess i mean kind of the impression that i got that would be the common sense Thing, that would be logical, right? <laughs> who, use, who in wrestling uses common sense? <laughs> like, I'll just leave that one on the table. But, yeah, so the... It is quite apparent that... And maybe this is even why I was having a little bit of trouble connecting to Bailey originally. It was quite apparent that through everything, she had kind of been, like, left behind. Like, she was the one that didn't have a really clear path forward. She was the one that didn't have a standout, I don't want to say personality, that's not the word, but everybody was so flashy. Like, even though I don't like Becky's steampunk look, like, it was a look, right? Yeah, it was definitely different. Yeah. And Charlotte's got, like, she's Ric Flair's daughter, and she's got the robe, and she says, woo! And it's... Becky just kind of looks <laughs> like she tumbled and fell out of her sleeping bag at, like, an eighth grade sleepover. Yeah. Or maybe even young, maybe even fifth grade. It's not great, but it's something. I mean, but it's fun. It's fun, though. It is fun. With her little sideways ponytail and kind of, like, flash dance sideways shirt hanging off. You know, like, fifth grade sleepover by way of, like, uh, a robosize video. Yeah, and, like, Bailey's got these, like, this, like, I guess her gimmick is, like, hugging? 
Yeah. If I really think about it. It is at this point anyway. Yes. She's like the, like. She's full of, it's the power of positive energy, Charlie. And I love it. And it's good. Like it, like it is good. It is something that I think wrestling needs more of. I love people who hug it out in wrestling. It's the best thing ever. Uh, But that's her. Like she's got these wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube men. Uh, I love up. them. I love that that's like her entrance. She doesn't have pyro or anything. She has th- six or eight of the waving men that you typically see in front of car dealerships. <laughs> yeah. And she's got this very, like, very positive, like, upbeat, like, theme music. It, it, at first, it, like, like, grinded against me a little because you know who I am, right? Like, you know me. Like, that's not yeah. my, that's not my aesthetic at all it is a little saccharine yeah yeah but i but it's good it it's very good and she you know it's very very colorful and she won a lot of people over with it if you look at any of those nxt crowds they love bailey and they got everybody's got a little sign that says i'm a hugger like that's yeah that's not only do do they love bailey but notably bailey has a number one fan yes her number one fan is a little girl named Izzy who attends all of the tapings for NXT at Full Sail. Yes. Which is the the venue because they partner with Full Sail University. Yes. What do you think about this? <laughs> There's a lot going on there. <laughs> there is. And it's kind it's, of weird to have a gimmick, but you know what? It's almost like a like a Billy Batson Shazam situation. Like kind Bailey of. is the Shazam and Izzy is like the kid. Yeah, it's like a wish fulfillment type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it and you're mentioning it. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And it's cute. But it's hard I think it's sometimes it's hard against like the weird edge that wrestling runs into to like have this very pure thing it's definitely not a gimmick that i think would have worked on the main roster especially at the time no but it works here yes because they gave it the space to breathe that it needed yes and did you notice the anime picture i did notice the anime picture (laughs) on her titan tron on the jumbo. Notably, every time something that's anime pops up in either the, a crowd sign or anything around this time in wrestling, I like. I'm like, uh, <laughs> like it makes me recoil because I get embarrassed. But it for for Bailey, it works. And it's it's so much in one direction that it absolutely works a hundred percent when. Sasha Banks is there to like be the like opposite and kind of like come in and tear it all down. Yeah. And it's, you know, one of the things at this point, you know, Sasha's the champion and and Bailey's always wanted to be the champion, but she's can never quite get it done, and that's what they're really illustrating is that, you know, Bailey's wants it she's good for it like she has all these fans and like she has this little girl that comes to every takeover and her parents are there she can't ever get it done she can't 
do it. And then you think start to think, well, is she even good enough to do it? And that's what Sasha plays off of. And I think at one point she says, you know, who would want like a headband wearing little girl as her NXT champion? And it's yeah, it's not untrue. And there's a lot that the commentators, I think, do a lot of work to here in saying, well, it's not that long ago that Sasha was kind of in that position. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe on some level, there was one interplay specifically um, from TakeOver Brooklyn where they say Sasha sees a little bit of herself in Bailey, and the other um, person says, no, she's annoyed with Bailey. Um, you know, Sasha evolved from an innocent girl into the boss and someone counters with, but there's a little bit of bitterness that she couldn't do things the way she wanted to. Like she yeah. had to become the boss to win. And here Bailey is not giving up on that part of herself, just committing a hundred percent to being a hugger and, you know, this just absolute ball of lisa frank goodness <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a that is a very good way to put it and you know this all this all spirals and goes towards as you mentioned you know nxt takeover brooklyn which is a pretty monumental takeover in the fact that it is finally bailey versus sasha and even though they haven't had this like war of words like Seth and Dean were fighting for what six months. Yeah, they did have the contract signing though, which was fun. Um, especially because um, I got to see that Bailey gets to be a little bit genre savvy because she was like, I've watched a lot of wrestling, you know, because she's her part of that is she's a fan and a fangirl. She's like, I've watched a lot of these contract signings. I know how this goes. You're gonna yeah. try to fight me. This isn't gonna work. And then. You know, Sasha just walks away and is like, whatever, you're not worth it. She has like a rhinestone encrusted stamp to sign yeah. a contract with. And yeah. then Bailey lets her almost get all the way up the ramp before full running, launching herself at Sasha and just wailing on her. Yeah, you don't get, you don't get to walk away. Yeah, it's yeah. And she kind of became that self-fulfilling prophecy, too, of like, yeah, there is a fight at this contract signing because she initiated it. Like, she's going to make it happen. Yeah, it's. It's good, and it's funny because contract signings are always notable for the fact that they <laughs> they always go awry. That's why you have a contract signing, so yeah, something can happen. Uh, I do. I did like Sasha's stamp; it was very good. <laughs> yeah, Sasha also takes every uh every point that she possibly can to diss on Bailey's style, like Charlie mentioned. Like, who would want? you know, this ponytail-wearing hugger, you know, to be the NXT champ. It, it's it's very much a it's very much a rivals thing, but it, until this pay-per-view it was very much like, is Bailey even in Sasha's league? Because, you know, not really if you're thinking, if you're actually like looking at the evidence like Sasha says, you know, this is I'm I'm the boss. I'm on Raw and SmackDown, and you're not. It's like here's the proof why you're not as good as I am. So, like, you can try and beat me, but there's something that she also repeats. She's like, I'm gonna prove to you that fairy tales don't come true. Yeah, 
And, you know, it leads into this match at TakeOver Brooklyn that is very, very good. I don't think it's as good as the the match that blows this thing off. But how did you feel about this match when you first watched it? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, You know, I kind of saw, especially at the start, Bailey is the one that's kind of fake it till you make it. And she has, you know, her self-confidence is not something that she's 100% confident in. You know, she has these, like, positive, like, woo, I'm going to do it kind of entrance. And then those demons that, you know, she's still questioning herself that, you know, the things that she's not sure about are kind of embodied in Sasha. And I kind of love that dichotomy. Yes, it is very much a pure, a very pure, like, story of you start in one place at the beginning of the match and then you end up like somewhere totally different at the end and it's yeah, sasha arrives in a escalade yeah lifted it... up by four men you know so it's yeah, like a, a black escalade and um i also wrote in my notes that i guess shutter shades were still were, were still a thing <laughs> oh that was part of sasha's whole aesthetic she I was know. never without her shutter shades they got knocked off for her head at the contract signing they did but they were very much a thing back here but they continued to be sasha's thing and that's fine with me but i just had to really remember she makes it work yeah i had to remember that they existed that's, <laughs> that's basically it i do love bailey's outfit here it's got a sweet robot on it mm-hmm. um and you can tell what the guy there's a guy in the audience there's a guy in the audience that has that daniel bryant that like daniel bryant mocking that stephanie mocking daniel bryant shirt that says steph 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 she's like he's like right in the front row Oh my god, I miss that. Yeah, so he's he's also there. That's like something that was just randomly randomly stood out to me. Uh, the crowd loves them both, and this is something that you see with Takeover NXT a lot. Is that even if there is a clear like underdog or like a very clear face heel situation, which like you know you can love Sasha and and want to cheer for her but still understand that like maybe like that's not <laughs> that's not maybe the way this is going um but they they love all the wrestlers pretty much equally in nxt like you'll yeah you'll, i noticed a lot of cheering for one and then the crowd yeah. was would immediately cheer for the other yeah so it's it's very interesting because you don't get that on raw or smackdown or even at main roster pay-per-views they're very much yeah. like I'm ugh, when the when they do things right in the crowd is like on the side they're supposed to be on instead of just being doing whatever yeah. they're gonna do. Especially in this uh, takeover Brooklyn, there's a lot of Sasha's ratchet. No, she's not. Yeah, and both sides are equally loud. So, <laughs> um, there is a really cool tree of woe spot in this match where uh, Sasha is just hanging upside down uh that if you didn't know mikey i don't know if you know when they put somebody in the corner upside down it's called the tree it's called the tree of woe uh mm-hmm. just, just so i learned that from this so yeah, thank you yeah just so you're aware and uh bailey does an awesome springboard elbow like she does one of the best springboard elbows i have ever really seen 
off of the middle rope, and I love it a lot. Uh, Sasha also starts off the match by just laughing in Bailey's face. Yeah, that's also something. I like my wrestling matches with a lot of talking or mm-hmm. yelling. And also saying you're not good enough while smacking her on the turnbuckle and Bailey screaming no time after time. Like <laughs> Yeah, and then especially at the point where like Bailey's just done with it and just like literally launches herself as Asha. I really yeah. like I really liked how it went from okay, I'm gonna wade into this to okay, I guess that's not the option anymore. So I really, really, really liked that about this match. I really yeah. also liked the continued d- try to do the double knees uh, in mm-hmm. the corner, and every time Bailey counters it, yeah, and she keeps kicking out, and you know. Sasha kind of failing to do the double to get Bailey up on the top rope and do the double knees kind of is what leads to the pivotal moment in this match where the tide turns where Sasha has Bailey in the corner once again and is just verbally taunting her and taking her down and just you know trying to strip her down with her words and Bailey kicks up with both feet into her face and knocks her over mm-hmm. And that's just like, at that point, you know, there's still a lot of back and forth after that, but that's the point at which Bailey really decides to be a competitor here and mm-hmm. kind of turns the entire tenor of the match. Um, because from there, like Sasha gets really angry and does like an arm lock submission. That's she starts taking statement. the, yeah, she takes the hand brace off of Bailey's injured hand and in the steel steps. Yeah. And then just starts abusing that hand and arm and culminates with sticking the hand in between the apron, the ring apron and the stairs, like wedging it in there and kicks the stairs against it to hurt it. Mm -hmm. Eel tactics. Yeah. And then as the ref is checking whether Bailey can continue at all, Sasha, runs you know steps back to the other side of the ring runs and does a flip over the official over Mm -hmm. the ropes taking bailey down outside of the ring um but bailey's still fighting up you know sasha starts slapping bailey and calling her a loser and you know they end up both back in the ring and then sasha or bailey even with her hand injured starts doing like elbow move double axe handles Mm mm-hmm and it's just like it's just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling from there. Yeah, the momentum in this match never stops, and that's what. Yeah, especially once that kick happens. Yes, yeah, some um, Sasha being getting shut up. Sometimes matches will get to the point where they feel like they are dragging, like you are just like dragging along. But the best matches, this one especially, is it... we're progressing the story but we're all like this like we're never stopping like even if somebody's on the ground they're not on the ground for like 10 minutes <laughs> like yeah they're you know just it's rolling like, around yeah they're on the ground and then someone's grabbing them and pushing them back in the yeah. ring or like something is always happening yeah because even like so the double axe handles happens and then you know not that far afterwards Sasha gets 
um bailey in a hold that's kind of her signature that's called the bank statement where she kind of like uses her arms like a vice to kind of hold the opponent's um like jaw and neck back and pull it back yeah yeah and so you know bailey is fighting from that crawling to the ropes and she's reaching with a hand towards the ropes so sasha starts stomping her foot on bailey's injured hand to keep her from being able to tap and that's something i had never seen before even in men's wrestling like keeping the hand using and using the feet to keep the hand from tapping that was like kind of incredible like that was when i was like i was already very in did you pop for that yeah (laughs) i did yeah i was like holy shit yeah like sasha's just pulls her foot around and just like is like stamps on bailey's hand so she can't reach the ropes like or even tap you know i've seen that sometimes um where someone will if someone is just brutalizing someone else they will stop them from tapping i watched a triple threat match between john cena aj styles and dean ambrose um a couple nights ago and triple threat rules dictate that as the champion you don't have to be pinned to lose your belt so you know dean could have pinned john john could have pinned dean you know anybody any combination of anything could have like caused that match to end without one person being actively actively participating and like john cena had aj in a in a submission hold and dean and he was about to tap and dean just grabs aj's hand and he won't and he won't let him tap so the match isn't over like it's it's very good like when there's a little moments like that happen yeah but i feel like they're relatively rare because like i hadn't seen it at least not like this it is worth mentioning since you brought up the rules of that triple threat one of the rules of this match is that sasha has the champion's advantage which means even if like if she gets counted out outside the ring she doesn't lose her belt yeah she, she can get disqualified the match. And, yeah she, she can, can get, get disqualified but she does the only way bailey can win that nxt women's championship belt is by pinfall or submission or submission inside the ring yes which is yeah which is the advantage like and many a and many a championship match have ended in a squirrely way where the champion either gets disqualified or counted out to retain their title <laughs> and yeah yeah before we continue with the match though charlie i feel like you should explain to me what bailey's signature move the bailey to belly is because i don't understand <laughs> It's a. I just see her whirl around, and then it's a belly to belly. But it's a su- it's a suplex. Okay. Okay. But what it is is instead of like a typical like like a German suplex where you like flip somebody over your back over your back or, or like Kenny's Snapdragon suplex where you like snap them back and it's like a it's like a waist lock, basically. What Bailey's is like she will grab you from behind, and you will both go over. It's not just throwing, like, it's not just, like, her throwing Sasha backwards. It's, like, Mm -hmm. she's grabbing and she's using her full weight to, like, do a belly-to-belly. It's like the galaxy brain of a suplex. Kind of. To suplex you, I'm going to suplex myself. Yeah, and I'm going to put my weight on top of you. So that is, 
Bailey's finishing move. It's it's silly. It's called the Bailey to Belly. I like it. It's cute. I like it too. <laughs> but basically, anything like that, you can have like a really cool. You can like modify it in cool ways because not in in a lot of ways. If you just do like a suplex as a finishing move, it's kind of like okay, I guess. But the cool thing about this end of this match is is that Bailey goes to the top rope to do the Bailey belly. <laughs> yeah. She hooks her legs and throws Sasha back and then does the Bailey to belly. Yeah, it's it's very, very good. And one, two, three, and Bailey is the new NXT women's champion. We get a really great moment. Yeah. Cause she is crying. And then all of the four horsewomen of NXT come up to cheer her on. So Sasha, uh, sorry, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch are there hugging her and it's just them for a while. And then eventually, almost reluctantly, but then she's fully bought into it after a minute, Sasha Banks comes in and she's crying and they all hug and it's really good. Yeah, it's their moment. It's like their cur- it's like the curtain call moment of the show, but it's oh, I also want to mention this um wasn't the main event of the show, but it was basically this it was one of them. So it wasn't the like men's NXT championship match, but it was basically co-main eventing. It was the second it. to last event, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's really important because where that all fall from the card is important in wrestling but i like the the curtain call moments really good and you can tell like even in this story that like after this great match sasha has this immense respect for bailey now mm-hmm. like it wasn't in the beginning of the match and previous to that it was not there and now she's taking well, bailey seriously as a as a competitor yeah and even the announcers were kind of you know not sure whether to take Bailey seriously or not. But after this, you know, at least some of the announcers take her very seriously. WWE still does the thing where one of the in- one or two of the announcers will be on board with the face or like the per- the good wrestler and someone will be the devil's advocate announcer and will be on board. Thanks, Corey Graves. Yeah. <laughs> So we're still going to get announcers that are like, what are you talking about? I don't see a lot in Bailey. You know, I don't go for the saccharine stuff. Sasha Banks is the real boss. She's the legit boss. It says in her intro, you know, that kind of shit. So (laughs) that's still going to happen. Yeah. But I do kind of love it because it's just part of the narrative. Yeah. If you're good at it, it's good. If you're not, it's annoying. Yeah. I can definitely see how it could get annoying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and this is a really great moment, but un- unfortunately, you know, Bailey's the NXT champ, women's champ, but she gets hurt. So she's, you know, not on the show a whole lot after this. And it's the night that she actually comes back. And it's like, she okay. brings the belt back to Florida. Yeah, it's the night she comes back that it is like, okay, Bailey's here. Like, of course, like, you know, she. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, she actually puts on like a pretty good match 
mm-hmm. coming back. You know, that it's not a squash match. It's like a legitimately good match. And, you know, she wins. She's happy. Izzy's there. And they, I don't even think they get to play her music. They don't. Like, she stands up to talk. And <laughs> Sasha's music comes on. <laughs> and she's just like, her face falls so far. And just incredible, incredible act, you know, like expression in the face. And Sasha comes out. And... <sighs> Once again, to steal her moment. Yeah. Should we play a clip here? I feel like we should play a clip. Yeah, we'll we'll play a clip here. It's good. You should listen to it. (laughs) Yeah, it's very good. Like, this is the one true, like, promo in it. Ever since TakeOver, the only thing I've been hearing is how me and you stole the show. everyone except me. I didn't come here to put on good matches or to steal the show. I came here to be the best. For three seconds, you were better. But let's get the facts clear. You're still not me. And now I have even a bigger point to prove. You think you are the only one who has a point to prove here, Sasha? You think that I'm just gonna walk around, let you walk out here? I have a legacy that I want to start and that I'm proud to hold this NXT Women's Championship. If you're out here asking for a rematch, sister, I have no problem with that. Let's do a rematch, right? You can do it tonight. When do you want to do it? A week from now, you want to do it? No. You see, I said I have a point to prove. I have a point to prove to everybody in the back that I am the best female wrestler in this company. I want to do more than just beat you, Bailey. I have a message. You see, I just don't want to beat you once. I don't want to beat you twice. I want to beat you again and again and again and again. And so every single person here realized that little fairy tales don't have a happy ending. This moment is really great because both women are in the ring and this NXT crowd just loves them both and they love women's wrestling and they are super hyped to see them in the ring again. And Sasha's also struggling to find to have this like haughty attitude. This is like extremely the best thing I can liken to this to comics wise is like Emma Frost having to admit that Kitty Pride is like worth fighting, but still having to be like, I'm the better one and I'm going to prove it. That's the dynamic, isn't it? It is. That's That's the dynamic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that absolutely is. Sasha is, as you would hear in that clip, say, ever since our takeover Brooklyn match, you know, everybody's saying that we stole the show, and that's great for everybody. For everybody except me. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that line. Uh, It's really good. Yeah. I'm not here to put on great matches. I'm here to be the champion. And 
no matter how good you are, you're not, you're still not me. And I feel like though she's saying that as if by saying it, it like to convince herself, it, it becomes true as well as the rest of us. Yeah. Yes. And I don't just want to beat you once. I want to beat you twice, and I want to beat you again and, and again, again and, and again. again. And the crowd is is chanting Iron Woman. Yeah. So then the what is he called? What's this man William Regal's position? He's William, Re- William Regal. Oh, we just learned about William Regal. But he is he is the commissioner of NXT. So he is the guy that runs NXT, basically. Okay. So he makes the matches. He makes the decisions. Like, a general manager, like, as what you yeah. might know it. Gotcha. And yeah, from what we had previously wa- watched. You've only ever seen the WWE when there was, like, a heel. There were, like, a heel authority figures, not real, <laughs> real ones. <laughs> Um, but no, Mr. Regal is the man in charge of making choices, and he just says, you know, we have an opportunity here, we can't pass it up, so at the next TakeOver, takeover, which is NXT TakeOver Rival, no, excuse me, no, Respect. NXT TakeOver Respect. See, they use these weird, like, words. I don't like it. It, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Yeah, it, it, it screws me up. The vibe I got from it being called NXT Takeover Respect is because it's at full sale, they have to respect NXT as like just as good as any of the other brands because they're coming to their house. That's the vibe I got from all of this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I don't know a lot of the other matches on the card, so I don't either. I can't say that there's like an overarching theme. For them. But it is notably rather than NXT taking over another city, um, they are at full sale. Yes. They're at their home base. So the opportunity here is at NXT Takeover, respect, Sasha and Bailey will have a 30 minute Iron Man match. But not only is it a 30 minute Iron Man match, but it will be the first women's match that is the main event of a wwe pay-per-view yes yes which is given the context that we talked about earlier huge and the fact that it is an iron man match which i will get into what that is in just a second that is an incredible feat that they they say in the beginning of this takeover that there have only been 10 in WWE history. And that just says, can you actually wrestle for 30 minutes? Yeah, because it's not just the physical performance, like the physical endurance. It's being able to do it and keep emoting and keep telling a story for all of that time. Yes, because if you think about it, there's not a, aren't a lot of people that can probably go pretty hard for 30 minutes yeah i mean in all fairness longer matches are the norm in like japan Mm -hmm. and in other promotions but it's not the norm in wwe for sure no no, not at all but japan also has a lot of 
different rules and different regulations around things. Yeah. I mean, you got your hour-long match, Kenny Omega match yeah. happening in Japan. It's so funny. Well, from what I've read, they also, um, steroids aren't outlawed to the degree over there that they are here. So, you know. I mean, there's no wellness policy. <laughs> yeah, there's no wellness policy in Japan. So I didn't want to say it so explicitly, but I feel like I should make it explicit. There's no you know. policy in Japan. There you go. Steroids, you know, help your endurance and your physical performance and everything. Anyway, we're getting we're getting off to, off topic. Thirty minutes, and in that thirty minutes, the the match type dictates that the winner is the person with the most pinfalls. So. There is a clock set at 30 minutes, and there is a counter, and the winner is the person who basically pins the other one the most. So how many times can you basically win the match? And we're going to count until 30 minutes is over. So it's not over when someone pins somebody else and we count one, two, three. It's over at 30 minutes, and the winner is whoever did that the most. So it's kind of a grueling test, no matter who you are. But yeah. this pretty extraordinary thing for like the women to be main eventing with this type of match. Only 10 in WWE history. Yeah, for it to be the first women's Iron Man match and the first women's main event of a pay-per-view is like, that's a lot of pressure also. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Bailey and Sasha were over enough at this point that, you know, again, NXT is still kind of a risk, you know, like they're, they're trying things that wouldn't, they wouldn't try on the main roster, but I think they would not have done this if they didn't know that on some level people wanted it, especially not, I feel like this era of WWE. True. Like, I can't, yeah, the the women's main roster stuff is still kind of a mess in 2015. It's only really when these women come up that things kind of start to change. So, Mikey, how did you get on with this one? This was really good. Like, the last match was good, but this one was really, really good. This is better. In my opinion, this one was better. Like, I know that TakeOver Brooklyn is, like, people's, like, chef's kiss. Like, Sasha and Bailey match. I mean, they... it was pretty chef's kiss. But it this was. is just, like, that was... I don't think you can have one without the other. No. It is definitely a, a two-parter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a two-parter more than... Like, I know they made mention in you know, the promo before this, that that was, like, match of the year. I feel like these are, like, co-match of the year because mm -hmm. that's the one that's, you know, if you cut Die Hard into two parts, the first part <laughs> where John McClane is valiantly trying to take control of the skyscraper, and then the second part is where he clearly has control and it's just hunting the bad guy down. I feel like those are those two matches. You know what I mean? Like the first one is Bailey trying to gain control and prove herself to Sasha. And the second one is a match as true equals. Yes. Yes. That is a hundred percent 
Sorry to make a reference to Die Hard in this episode about women's wrestling. Again, again, you did the Die Hard last time, too. Well, that's because... It's okay. We're going to mention Die Hard and Daniel Bryan on every episode of this every podcast episode somehow, I guess. I, guess. <laughs> I think those things are valid uh, <laughs> in all reality. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anyone listening for bringing, <laughs> like, the most macho movie into an episode about women's the, wrestling. The women can have a, the uh, The women can have it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Women can like Daniel Bryan. It's fine. I said this a couple di- a couple weeks ago, but if you made a Die Hard movie with Rhea Ripley in it, that would be the best Die Hard movie, in my opinion. It's true. Anyway. Anyway. This match starts out in, I don't want to say much the same fashion as the other, but the crowd is very much happy to celebrate women's wrestling, and they, t- yeah. let, you, they let you know it. There's a women's women's wrestling chant and yeah. there is a you deserve it chant like before they even lock up so it's good and you can kind of tell it's like before they even lock up they also have you know bailey comes out with her belt she's got this little cape she's got an iron man yeah. color scheme going on and so she goes to do she does this kind of thing where she like presents her belt and kind of like swoops to each side of the ring and when she goes to do the last one Sasha was standing in front of her <laughs> and so she goes up and Sasha just smirks at her and kind of begrudgingly smoothly s- snidely slides out of the way so Bailey can finish doing her entrance it's very good mm-hmm. and then she just stands there smirking like Again, Emma Frost is, I feel like, a really good touch point for the the expressions of Sasha Banks. But she's also very much her own character. Yes. And, you know, she's really, like, she's really trying to, in the way that she's presenting herself, Bailey is, to earn the champion spot. Like, she's really trying to behave like a champion. Like she's still got that that um buoyant quality to her, but she's also, you know, clearly belongs there and and knows it. Yeah, and there's like there's a very even there's a very, very even keel to this match. So the beginning is an even lockup. It's, yeah, a lot of them trading like covers and small packages. Oh yes, it's very much both failing at their finishers. <laughs> yes, it's like a very technical like mat wrestling, and then they do this like great exchange where like Sasha tries to like roll up and pin Bailey like three times, and then Bailey does the same exact thing, like does a like a, a sliding back pin. Like they try and like get get that first fall like as soon as they can and then that mm-hmm. sequence ends in them both failing to do their finishing moves which is very good yeah and then we kind of transition to the next phase of the match by bailey offering sasha a hand up when sasha's in the corner and sasha takes the hand and they kind of smile before sasha flips bailey backwards onto her head 
Mm-hmm. And my notes say, uh, Bailey's being very amicable, and then my next note says, but Sasha isn't having any of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's at this point, too, that, ba- that Bailey kind of realizes Sasha is not going to be her friend. Like, she's not, she's not going to see, she's trying not to take this fight as equals. She's still doing, you know, these underhanded things. Maybe because she's not as good as Bailey, who knows? Yeah, but it brings out the like the vicious side, a little bit, a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a more determined. I won't say vicious; I'll say a bit of a more determined. Yeah, she kind of like twists around for a Superman punch at one point. She does like an elbow drop. She does um, this amazing arm drag from the like the top rope, like, uh, which like I don't know if you if you know what an arm drag really is, Mikey, but it's like basically. I don't. They like when they when someone pulls you down from the top rope like via your arm. Oh that's, yeah, that yeah. that that's really just what that is. And then yeah, these series of sliding drop kicks through the rope, the bottom of the ropes yeah. on the edge of the ring. Yeah, basically taking taking Sasha outside the ring. Um, anytime yeah. we leave the ring, we're being a little bit more brutal than maybe we should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She takes her outside of the ring to kind of like assault her before pulling her back in. You know, and at at one point, like, she pulls her legs out from under her and then does a bulldog and covers and just kind of, like, you know, that's almost a more heelish tactic. So she's kind of, like, Bailey's almost learning through this fight how to, you know, truly fight Sasha, like, as equals because, you know, maybe Sasha was holding back in their first match um, but Sasha definitely isn't going to hold back anymore. Yeah, and there's this pretty amazing, like, series of almost bump, like, ref bumps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where they, like, they get in the corner and, like, Bailey almost, like, falls into the ref but stops herself. And then, like, she moves and then, like, whips Sasha forward and she almost bumps into the ref. And then it happens again and... Because Sasha uses it as cover. Yes, uses it as a distraction, really, and then just rolls up Bailey for the first for the first. Because you know she's got that. You know Bailey's hair is up in a ponytail, but Sasha. If we haven't mentioned, Sasha has this glorious mane of red hair and likely extensions at this point. That just she uses it like literally as a curtain to stick her thumb in Bailey's eye, which is like again, you know women's wrestling especially in wwe was kind of like the long like supermodel-esque hair and stuff like that and or like hair pulling but sasha really does use her hair almost as a weapon Mm -hmm. to kind of obscure it's a good it's a good heelish tactic yeah i i love it i love it and it it goes to that same it goes back to that same thread of using these things that we're familiar with or audiences at the time were familiar with in WWE women's wrestling and kind of turning what those expectations are on their head. It's very good. Mm-hmm. And like in this match also, we get like every time Sasha goes for the double knees in the corner, Bailey's there to scout it and stop it. Yeah. So it, it, <laughs> she it, it, can't get it a single time. No. And then Bailey gets her first pinfall by doing a, by, by doing the finish to take over Brooklyn, which is the Bailey to belly off the top yeah. rope. <laughs> so it's like a really good callback to to that because then like that is the first pinfall that Bailey gets. And then things get a little bit more vicious. 
Yeah. Sasha makes Izzy cry. Yes. Uh, well, she, okay, you yeah. gotta talk. You have to talk about the. Uh, you have to talk about Sasha throwing Bailey into the LED board at the top of the ra- ramp first. Yeah. Okay, so we have a whole. Well, there's a whole series of Sasha throwing Bailey out of the ring and into the stairs and again like doing this again and again and again in front of her family and in front of Izzy before yelling in Izzy's face and then going back to cover Bailey and she kicks out and then so Sasha throws her out of the ring again onto the ramp and Bailey tweaks her knee and so Sasha's like here's my shot and so she grabs her hair and throws Bailey bodily into the LED board, causing it to glitch out before (laughs) Sasha snatches the bow from Izzy because Bailey had, you know, sometimes she has this very sparkly bow headband. And so Izzy's wearing that. So she snatches the bow, puts it on her own head, and then goes around and does like this. Bailey has this thing where she kind of like puts her hands in the air and kind of like swings her hips around like she's doing a hula hoop. Uh, Sasha does that in the ring while Bailey is out on the ground. And Izzy's uh, like laid out in front of the LED board. And Izzy, Bailey's number one fan, is just bawling. <laughs> I don't know how old this girl is, it is but uh, she's, yeah, she's not very lot. old. Like she's like maybe 12 at most. Yeah, it's a lot. And, and, like the the peer the mocking of Bailey continues because Bailey does get back in the ring and she's really struggling and Sasha does the laziest like mocking cover like oh you're not even worth it so you know she does the celebration move again before stomping Bailey you know just start I think she does like a fake Bailey to belly too just like super lazily it's a lot yeah it's like basically like I've already won. You should just give up. Like the next 15 minutes, pff, who cares? Yeah, who cares about this? But it kind of lights a fire, you know, under Bailey because she comes back and starts um starts fighting a little bit dirtier. Yeah. Like we have a lot of spots that are like similar to things that happened to take over Brooklyn but like reversed. So like as Bailey starts to get her wits back, she like takes Sasha back on the outside and like starts working over Sasha's hand. And mm-hmm. she does the same thing that Sasha did to her hand at Brooklyn, which is put it between the steel st- steel steps in the ring apron and crush it. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of like callbacks and a lot of like, okay, well this is this is what I have to do to get yeah. there. But I Bailey think- almost never goes a hundred percent to that space i think we forgot to talk about the lion tamers that sasha puts bailey in oh tries to i don't think or tries we, to we don't not get the there neatest li- we don't get the full squat walls of jericho lion tamer no but you know she does try a couple times which i i kind of popped for that just because i wasn't expecting to see something that was that brutal of a move mm-hmm because it is like pretty brutal you know Sasha does the thing again where she kicks she kicks Bailey on the head this time after she grabs the rope because you know she tried to break it you know Sasha keeps trying these lion tamers and then Bailey 
is just barely able to kind of reverse and cover to tie it up. And Sasha's just in disbelief. Izzy yeah. is screaming. And it is two to two. So it's like basically 10 minutes left and it's two to two. And it continues to be two to two all the way till about five minutes left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we get we get a lot of mocking with Sasha mocking Bailey with her moves and then Bailey reversing again. Um, you know, and then Sasha hurting herself a lot. Um yeah. there's a better than raw chant. <laughs> which made me laugh. Is it not true though, Mikey? Is it not true? I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> After the the thing Charlie was talking about, the callback to take over Brooklyn, Bailey gets the stairs out, and this is like fully like Bailey is like not playing anymore. And then Bailey and Sasha kind of fight over the stairs before Bailey launches off of the stairs with a clothesline, mm-hmm. and they're both laid out on the ground. And it's the six minute mark. And honestly, you know, they're for all intents and purposes, it looks like these women like can't continue. They're just like out. But Sasha manages to roll in and then she waits for Bailey to kind of get up before launching herself through the ropes. And, you know, Bailey does another Bailey to belly and kicks out. There's a lot of half covers and just trying to get one yeah like these women are just they're exhausted the clock is ticking down like it's just kind of like what is gonna happen like are they are we ever gonna get a tiebreaker and then they start talking about you know like there was one iron man match that went to overtime and at this point i was like oh jesus yeah so like i mean one thing we we don't talk about a lot because like, we haven't talked about a match that goes to this extent and a match that actually is, like, fully fulfilling at the end of the day. Thinking about you, 2014 Helen Spell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is a good wrestling match will leave you emotionally and physically exhausted. It will just, like, put you in a place so you're like, I'm so tired <laughs> after you're done watching it. And like this is like this is one of those matches where it's like okay what's gonna happen at the end here like is this is some is someone gonna get a pin how's this gonna happen like there's tension that's like injected into the end of this match it's like two minutes yeah. to the end of and the match it, oh, oh, three and a half minutes Bailey just starts crying in the <laughs> in the ring yeah like everyone is exhausted Bailey's crying you know Sasha they get up on the top ropes again. Bailey's on top, but Sasha manages to do a Bailey to belly and Bailey kicks out and then Bailey does the bank statement with less yes. than two minutes left. Yes. I I pop hard when the other when the opponent does the person they're fighting's finish. <laughs> yeah. Not only does Sasha do the Bailey to belly from the top ropes and then Bailey kicks out, but then Bailey does the bank statement. And Sasha uses the ropes for leverage to push them away. And then Bailey puts Sasha back in the bank statement, trying to force her to tap. Then Sasha's, you know, gets back control and is like kicking Bailey's hands. Bailey starts slamming the hand of Sasha that she injured earlier in the match. And it ends by Sasha getting the bank statement and Bailey reversing. And doing this wicked looking submission maneuver and kicking Sasha's head. Yeah. And 
all of these holds, by the way, it's like 90 seconds, 30 seconds. It's like, is this going to happen or is it not? At the same time the bell rings, Sasha taps out. Yeah. And yeah. Bailey is the winner. Yeah. It's like, honestly, like, a very much down to the wire. Yeah. And then Bailey lays back and Sasha's like, out. Bailey is like barely you know just breathing <laughs> both women are just out and then finally bailey is able to get up and lifts her belt in the air and she's just crying she's exhausted but then the entire roster of nxt is there to support them triple h and stephanie mcmahon who as flowers. we talked about last time they're kind of the leaders of wwe at this point they're there with flowers they have a bouquet for both of the women stephanie basically has to force sasha to stand up because she like can't stand up yeah she's so exhausted she collapses into a ball you know on the floor and steph has to like pick her up and you know they're both crying because it's a huge moment and mm -hmm. they've just wrestled for 30 minutes yep. in this just absolutely physical brutal match it was good. Yeah. It was good. I'm glad you liked it a lot. I think the last- I did. It stood up to the hype. The only other Iron Man match you've probably seen was the one with Kenny and Pac? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because the Kenny and Trent wasn't an Iron Man match, was no, it? No, it certainly felt like it, though. That yeah, thing, it did. That thing was, man. That was a 30-minute match, but it wasn't an Iron Man match. No, but yeah, Kenny and Pac was also, like, extremely brutal. Yeah. We, yeah, we just watched this. It was fantastic. It was a great- and to their feud at this point, because as we like talked about previously, the story between Bailey and Sasha is still going on. It's been going on since this point. So like, there's no point in saying that like he and this was the end because it wasn't. But this definitely yeah, they do end up tag teaming after this, yeah, right? The Hug and Boss Connection. Oh, that's yeah. a very good name. It's very. It's a riff off of um, the Rock and Mankind's. Tag team, the Rock and Sock connection. It's very, very good. It's very good. Uh, but it is. It's it's like this like amazing like moment, but also just like it it it's just that good. Like it is just like that good of like a story and a match and like this very different thing than what we covered last time, where we talked about how the story was like this like amazing thing but but it was external to the match correct but the wrestling even though i love seth and dean dearly and i think they're fantastic wrestlers because they are i think the two matches that happened on the pay-per-views didn't do them the service that it needed to where in this case like we didn't get a whole lot of external story but we got amazing stories in the wrestling which i think is in the day maybe better i think it depends on what you like about wrestling because believe it or not there's some people that don't like the wrestling part of wrestling <laughs> yeah i mean there there was like a little bit of story because they did have segments um we didn't talk about this earlier but there was segments where you know after bailey won the belt she took izzy around the performance center and you know gave her a tour and let her you know have a day in the life of bailey and so but all of that is kind of, and like, it's not framed in the same context of, okay, we're here in the arena and this is happening like backstage. 
that some of the stuff that we saw in the last episode was. Yeah. It's and and you know, Sasha and Bailey do great promo work. Like they, they, they do for like what they're setting up. Like because I think they're primarily telling a story in the match. And I think it's very hard to I think app I think comparing it to what we covered last time's apples and oranges, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, just two very yeah. different styles of wrestling. Yes. Um it so I think this was like what you want to conclude your story. Like this is the match you want to end it. Well, and this like I said before, my impression Obviously, you know, I don't have a lot of experience. I haven't watched a lot of matches. But my impression from reading things is that NXT was Dusty and the other folks that set it up and the wrestlers themselves trying to bring this more Southern, older style of wrestling back and kind of revitalize it rather than having the slick, like, ultra-modern, ultra modern ultra um you know pre-recorded promos and letting the story be that um instead they're trying to tell the story in the ring and have that drama intention not be just because you're worried about whether someone's going to stand up but whether you know they're going to be able to emotionally continue because of their best friend or something like that so yeah. i think it's it's definitely like a revitalization of this older wrestling tradition too. Yeah. And bringing in new things in the mix. NXT is very pro wrestling. When someone says, you know, pro wrestling, this is what they're talking about. As opposed to like sports entertainment, which is something maybe a little bit different. But that said, I've said it. You probably expressed it. But hey Mikey, was this a good conclusion to this feud? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I go to that saying. I said it. Can I get years. a hell yeah? Wow, Mikey, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. You can. Hell yeah. So for you, what was what was your, like, coolest moment in this entire, like, between, you know, the two premiere matches that we watched or any time in between? Yeah. I would probably... It's probably between... Um, in this last match between Sasha trying to put Bailey into the Lion Tamer, and then Bailey finally kind of meeting Sasha as a equal and putting Sasha in this absolutely brutal bank statement, and then finisher. Yeah, I I really liked the. Yeah, you know, my my moment probably was like whenever Bailey is like, I'm I'm done. I'm done messing around. Like that is like that is a really like pivotal like switch that gets flipped in, in, in both of these matches, but I think also just in the Iron Man match, like UK okay, you, you threw me into the LED board, but now I'm always a sucker for like but now you're getting now you're getting this part of me. Like you don't want Yeah, go. that is you, really good too. You don't want to go here with me. Like that's I always love like those yeah. moments in in wrestling. There's just so many good moments. It's it is hard to choose cuz now I'm remembering like the kick 
yeah. after <laughs> you know Sasha was like slapping Bailey and calling her a loser and everything. But yeah, vocalizations are very good. If you could change something, what would it be, or would you change anything? But I don't know. Honestly, I would make. You know what? No, I do know. I would change the awful fake like sparkle sound effect that happens when they show the NXT women's belt. Oh like, god, they can't you're just right. leave it. They can't just leave it as the silver belt. Then they add the rhinestones to it and it goes like pwing. And I I had to hear it twice and I hate it. Yeah, no, I actually wrote that down. I was like, why is this why is why do I have to have this fake rhinestone effect? I think no, you're 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 right on the money with that one. <laughs> I don't know why it has to look the way it does back here. I wish it just looked like the current women's NXT champion belt. Well, which is, we just know looks... why it had to be that. It's like, we... these women are tough, but also sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, what it is. It took and... a while for that to kind of fall off too, but I'm glad now it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I, there weren't very many signs. I did see one in the NXT TakeOver Respect that was Hug Life that... Good. gave me a chuckle yeah no that that was a good that one that was my best sign of the night yeah no you, that's right i do always just love the little signs that say like hugger section those are like cute i didn't there weren't a copious amount of signs and if there were i couldn't maybe see them but hug life is very good i'm glad that exists and finally finally what's your star rating mikey 10 out of 5 matches. 10 out of 5. 10 out of 5 stars because there were wow. two matches. That's true. And both were five star matches? Yes. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, what about you're, not you? you're not wrong. The, the both matches were, were really great. I would say they were both probably five stars. So 10 out of 5. 10 out, 10 out of 10? 10 out of 10 would watch yeah. again. Would watch again. Yes. I don't care yes. about Dave Meltzer's star rating scale. <laughs> I mean, it's fake and made up anyway. Because then like, there's, one, there's one match that has like 8 out of 5 stars and 6.5 out of 5 stars. Like, what, is, what scale are we on? You know? Is this like the Kelvin scale where zero stars is like absolute zero? <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? I don't know. Uh, who knows? He's been doing this way too long. And it has a completely arbitrary star rating scale. Anyway. Just how I like my rating scales. <laughs> Aren't all scales like that? Like, we're making lists and doing all this other bullshit. Anyway. This was great. But we do have some things. Some other business to attend to. And when I say other business, I mean, I did ask... We have some questions. I did ask people for questions. I haven't looked at a single one of these, so... It's okay. I'm coming in completely naive to these questions. It's all right. Uh, they don't all pertain to this particular thing, um, but, you know, I, I just put the call out for questions. So thank you if you submitted a question. So this will harken back to our last episode. So uh, at the pariah effect, eh. <laughs> if you could insert a single kiss into the Rollins-Ambrose feud, where would it happen? This is a good question. This is the kind of caliber of question that I want to happen every time that I ask uh, questions. I would insert it Seth kissing Dean before he slams Dean's head onto the cinder blocks. That's a very good answer, Mikey. 
That's a very good answer. I, that's hard to top that one because I've thought about this quite a bit. I really like the fact that, like, Dean kisses Seth on the head at SummerSlam, like, at the end of the match, and then does the curb stomp finisher. But I don't think this is t- that's time for, a, like, an actual on-the-mouth kiss. Mm-hmm. So it would either, it, it would have to be either before the cinder blocks or I think I'll do you one a bit better when they're taking Dean away. I think Seth walks with Dean like what like Dean cannot do a damn thing and like like as they're taking him away, like that's when it happens. It's right around the same time. But it's a good question. I think there's a couple places you could put that. Yeah. Another good one would be um at the very beginning when you know they're celebrating evolution not being able to field a three-man tag like seth you know seth and dean kiss and then you know they're like running around cheering and then seth sneaks you know it's like the judas kiss (laughs) then he sneaks back and gets a chair god awful man he's an awful man (laughs) um all right at papa seven two five four six asks uh, what's the best part of the current crowd environment at tapings and shows, and what's the worst part? So if you don't know, you should know, we're in a bit of a crisis where we can't have large gatherings of people. So we've been watching wrestling where there is absolutely no crowd. So I think that sometimes, and this is a hot take, maybe, maybe not, I sometimes think that the crowd ruins the wrestling. <laughs> Like, if someone comes to the ring to do a promo, like, sometimes the crowd ruins it. By just not, like, being cooperative. And I think with with this, like, current state of things, like, people are adjusting. Like, people are figuring out how to, like, make their presence, like, more distinctive like they're they're ha- they're having to adapt to these like different ways of doing things and i honestly think that is a very good way to try like and evolve like how you do things so i think the worst thing is probably that we don't have crowds and energy is just sucked out of the building when there isn't a crowd like so many moments are predicated on the pop the the crowd being into the match and we just don't yeah. have that right now but I think, so I think the wrestling suffers if the wrestlers are not hot, of a high caliber to begin with, when there is no crowd to cover up the fact that maybe there isn't the best wrestling happening. But it really shines a light on the people that are great at it, and it also shines a light on people that are great talkers, because they have this, like, other like, skill they can talk right into the camera and, like, really get in there and, like, really just do some great stuff. I think the best part of the current crowd environment is that it makes it much easier for people to layer Angelo Badalamente's score from Twin Peaks (laughs) behind the promos. 
But he is, of course, talking about... Uh... <laughs> if you so... haven't seen the Edge promo with the Twin Peaks music by Angelo Badalamente behind it, I highly, highly recommend you seek it out. Yeah. It, yeah, it makes for some, like, very interesting, like, mashups to, like, hey, this is a very much of a, this is very much a theater experience, because obviously in a theater environment, you're not, like, a crowd's not cheering. They're not reacting as, like, somebody is giving, like, this, like, scene is, like, playing out. So it brings a lot of to the table and a lot of these conversations that have happened that says, you know, pro wrestling is just theater. It's, like, very Shakespearean. It's things like that. So when people, like, put music in the background, you're like, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, so absurdist sometimes, but also, like, just very good. Or I don't think it was it. I don't think it was Edge. It was some other promo. It was it was John Cena music. and Bray Wyatt. Yes, and then the um, the other thing that people did is there was like a Ravel piece, Maurice Ravel, that people put over the Edge promo, not on Twitter. Like just a friend of mine suggested it, and it was extremely good. Like the timing just works out so perfectly. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on. Right now. I hope we can return to normalcy at some point. <laughs> do we have uh, any other questions? We do. Uh, my good friend, at uh, Robert Secundus, asked a couple of questions. And I think these are good questions I'm going, I'm going to ask. Uh, and this is current to kind of our conversation. But uh, he asks, "What do you think about about ba- uh, about currently about Bailey's heel run? Uh, why do you think WWE has done the Bailey Sasha friendship betrayal breakup so many times?" We kind of talked about that. Yeah, it's a it's a good like well to mine as long as you can make it not repetitive or not feel redundant. Like if you can keep, you know, finding new twists on it. Yeah, and I think by reversing. The role here where like Bailey's got this entirely new persona, which mm-hmm. is either works for you or doesn't. Uh, I think making Sasha like the face in this situation, it, it, it will be different. I don't know how that'll play out, but you know, I, I, I think it's I think it's a good dynamic to keep coming back to as long as you can put a little bit of a new spin on it. Yeah, I mean, and, like I said that, you know. I ideally that wouldn't have been so many women in the ring in WrestleMania 36 for that match, but the culmination of that match, um, and you know, you always knew it was going to end up being Bailey versus Sasha. Like if you didn't, you're kind of, you know, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, when you have those two in the ring, like that's what that's going to be. Um, but it was such a great match that, um. You can kind of like it. It still works. Like that's that that formula is still there. You can see the yeah the the gears turning. And uh, one more question from from Rob here, and it's important because I think you and I have maybe different thoughts about this. Uh, Why do you think AEW has struggled to give women storylines? I think it's just the like honestly, they're a new company and they spread themselves too thin. Yep. They yep. only have so many resources and you like they 
I don't know. I don't want, you know, I don't like to, we don't know enough about their structure to kind of cast aspersions about who they have and who they don't have. But I do think that at least making Kenny the person that most publicly is like, I care about women's stories. I think that's a mistake. I do think it's important to have women be visible or at least that there's visibly some kind of, you know, some woman that's championing those things, you know, whatever, whoever's behind the scenes, the optics of having, you know, a cis man, even someone that's very invested in women's wrestling, be the one that's constantly saying that. And then especially when it's not following through, it just makes everyone have egg on their face, honestly. Yeah, I, I don't think it's for lack of wanting. I don't think yes. it is malicious. I don't think it is the fact that they're treating the woman as an afterthought. I don't think it's any of those things. I think this company is very new, and I think people are casting the light of, you know, more than 20 years of, like, treating women poorly in wrestling. And they're looking at AEW through the light of this very long thing that's gone on. It's bad. That's it's not good. And I mean, I do. I... Go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, I do think on some level it's from lack of trying, but it's like I think maybe they underestimated the amount of effort it would take to have equal men and women's divisions. So. The thing that fell by the wayside was the women's division in favor of the men's. Yes. And I, I think people are looking at AEW like they've looked at, they're looking at like an established WWE. And I don't think it's the same. Like, I think it wants to be. I think it could be. I think it should be an equal product. But it just, at this point, isn't as fleshed out. And it can't be because it's so new. Like it's the yeah, first not shot. Being... It's the first shot we've had in twenty years. So it's gonna take some time to get to a point where we can say we're de- we're devoting all this time to this. And I think that's a yeah. shitty answer, but I think it's the answer. Yeah, it's a shitty answer, but it's the answer is definitely definitely the one. And the the other thing too is having, you know, not being able to have inner gender matches like the way a lot of i see a lot of indies um like beyond wrestling is one get around this is by having um you know intergender matches if you haven't seen the triple threat match between orange cassidy chris statlander and i can't remember the third woman's name all i can remember is she has an evil magical girl like gimmick um but if you haven't seen that match then I like you need to watch that but like not being able to I can't I don't know and I don't think they've made it clear whether the intergender thing is a TNT like contract thing or something they just don't want for insurance reasons so I'm not I mean I will straight up also just say some people just do not want to watch men beating up women yeah and that's completely fair um because I think the other thing there is um in intergender in promotions that do have intergender wrestling the women that don't want to wrestle men i've heard the women that don't want to wrestle men 
are offered less opportunities. Um, the the match I was thinking of was Orange Cassidy versus Chris Statlander versus Kimberly, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, so there's a lot of issues with intergender matches, um, and I'm totally like aware of those. And I think like when people are like, oh, I want this person to wrestle this person, like in fantasy booking, I think it's really easy to ignore those really important ways in which or those important things reasons why they don't let them they don't do it do them yeah they don't do it like yeah that. yeah um like you know they they i'm sure they have reasons but not having like intergender stables or like things at least be related even if they aren't gonna have strictly intergender matches like i think it's hurt them hurt them a lot like I think in an ideal world, at least for me, I would have had things be more equal out the gate, even if it means, like, I feel like having women on screen and seeing their storylines and having them interweave, I feel like would have opened up a lot more opportunities and would be preferable to having a single minute and a half squash match with women, if that every week yeah but that's just me that's just me i'm just one person and i acknowledge that i'm both very new and also everyone has a lot of different opinions so yeah um yeah but that's where i'm at yeah yeah that's it for that's it for our questions but uh thank you everyone who uh submitted questions i'll i'll try and put a call out every time we have an episode whether or not they're related to the episode who knows but <laughs> That kind of brings us to the end of the episode, and uh, it was a delightful one. I'm glad we got to watch so many, so much good wrestling, and I'm leaving satisfied, unlike last time when I left unsatisfied. <laughs> uh, I hate to say it, but it was, it is the truth. Even though I've got a little bit more context for some stuff that's happened uh, since that that whole thing, but if you like the episode, if you like the previous episode, best thing that you can do for me and Mikey is go onto iTunes or whatever pod app you have if you have the ability to leave a rating and or review for our podcast. iTunes is the one that I tell you matters most. Or <laughs> share it with your friends. Yes. Or We're all yeah. so social distancing or physically distancing, whatever you want to call it right now. <laughs> physically distancing uh, is probably moment. the best way to say it. social distancing sounds yeah. weird it sounds like you're just yeah, like I, locking yourself in a room by i yourself. mean i don't know who came up with the term but i certainly know who popularized it and i hate it yeah um, it's bad. <laughs> bad actually that's all i'm gonna say about that but you know we're all looking for ways to get together during this trying time so share us with your community of friends that you think might enjoy yeah us you know yeah if you like, can't leave a, if you can't have a listening a, party i don't know if you cannot leave a rating and review the best other thing you can do is share um that we exist with your friends and other individuals you may know who maybe not are my friends acquaintances work too but if you can please rate and review our podcast on itunes it helps with uh getting our podcast in front of other people's eyes more readily i'd appreciate it if you did that and any other case, you can find me at Genetic Ghost on Twitter. I usually have a pretty solid writing gig 
almost every other week, but because comics has stopped, I guess there's just no more comics. <laughs> I am not doing that. So you can find other things that I do over uh, at Genetic Ghost on Twitter. I when I'm not working, I'm rambling on about uh, who knows what. I mean, I know what, and everybody else knows. John what. Moxley, but you don't need to. Yes, <laughs> you don't. You don't need to worry about that. Um, so you can go there. I have some some interesting things happening over there, um, but nothing really else going on. Well, how about you, Mikey? You can find me on Twitter at quantum dot dot, where I talk about Animal Crossing ninety <laughs> percent of the time, and uh, tabletop games and wrestling the other ten percent of the time. Yes. Uh, no, but really. Uh, for some reason, people really like my Animal Crossing content, so I was like, I feel bad about posting so much Animal Crossing. And then, like, there's people with verified Twitters liking and retweeting it, so I'm like, okay, maybe I'm doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. What everybody's doing. I did buy some other video games, so, you know, maybe I'll talk about those. I'm currently talking about Final Fantasy VII remake oh yeah god that too yep yeah Mm -hmm. so uh how seth rollins and sephiroth are just the same person and even seth believes that um but that's getting slightly off topic so yeah that's a topic for another time (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so thank you so what are we doing next time charlie well next time do you want me to tell you next time we're going back in time we are we're going back in time to the year 2000 where we will be covering triple h you may know him we're back in his hunter hearst helmsley Helmsley, if you don't know and mick foley otherwise known as mankind otherwise known as cactus jack otherwise known as dude love uh we will be covering their feud in the year 2000 which is really really good so i'm looking forward to it's watching radical as one might put it (laughs) i'm looking forward to going back and watching some attitude era wrestling with mikey who's seen some things but not to the extent we're about to dive into i'm excited (laughs) yeah until then i don't have an intro so an intro or i don't have an intro or i have an intro i don't have an outro that's just the way it is so here we stand daniel bryan and die hard i don't know no that's not true no i mean i stand daniel i mean i like i i like him a stand is a strong word yeah i stand is a strong word i really enjoy daniel bryan he's very good at wrestling and i'm sad when his neck hurts but that's the end of the podcast uh put rhea ripley and die hard you cowards (laughs) bye Bye, everybody (laughs) 